but there's so much fun in the process and then you know worst case scenario you don't catch the crabs you know we we always and you got to go eat crabs i mean it's the best part of doing it is you know picking the crab and eating the meat and i love cooking crab Welcome to Experiences That You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today we're gonna get crabby. Uh, so if if the world of crabbing interests you, please keep on listening. However, if, if crabbing does not align with your values, uh, then just kindly skip this episode. Uh, this is not the right episode for you. Uh, so crabbing, I, I find it really interesting. I, I personally love eating seafood. I'm a, I'm a seafood person. Uh, I try to not eat a whole lot of like red meat and that sort of thing or save that for a special occasion. Uh, but, but seafood and, and I like like sustainable seafood and, and talking about, uh, I mean, ethical ways of catching seafood as well or humanely. And so crabbing is, is always an interest of mine. I live over in Oregon and Dungeness crab is our thing here. Um, out in, I used to live in Florida and stone crab was killer. And the stone crab is really interesting because they would take a, a stone crab claw off and then put the crab back in the water and it would regrow its claw. Pretty interesting. Um, but we are talking about crabbing in the Chesapeake Bay with Dr. Alan Snyder. And he has a podcast called Booze Your Daddy. B-O-O, Booze Your Daddy. A 30-minute unscripted podcast where they drink a beer and tell comical stories about life with a game of trivia. And let me tell you, Alan is... A delight. He is absolutely a delight. I love his fervor, um, and and he tells about his experience going crabbing because he was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, where both eating and catching seafood is part of the culture. and And I've really been thinking about experiences that could be done while social distancing and done with the family. And I'm like, oh, crabbing, you know, how fun. It, again, if it aligns with your values, you know, to go out and, and catch your dinner and and have fun and, and have fun cooking it. And he shares a favorite recipe for, for crab cakes. So if you're in a crabby mood, <laughs> then please keep on listening. And and just a note that um, crabbing in the Chesapeake Bay can be done um, here into the fall and even early winter. So just just take note. Make sure you're following the rules. Don't eat the females and get permits and, and find out what you what you need to know. But we, we break down some of that in the episode. Uh, but please look up your restrictions wherever you live if going crabbing. Welcome, Alan, to the show. Thank you for having me today, Gail. This is so much fun. I'm so excited yeah. to be here. How are you feeling crabby? <laughs> I am feeling crabby because I'm on the East Coast right now and the weather is not so nice and I've been stuck <laughs> inside all day. 
You know, we are having a stormy day here and we never get storms like here in Bend, Oregon. It's like an it's like an event, you know, everybody goes out on their front porch and watches like the twice a year storm. Wow. Yeah, in, I'm in Manhattan on the Upper West Side of New York City, and we have two types of weather, really hot and really awful. There is nothing in between. We don't have spring. We don't have fall. There is winter and there is summer. And sometimes in summer, it's raining and then all hope is lost. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how far away are you from crabbing? Well, for me to go crabbing, it's now, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. So that mm-hmm. is like 99% of my experience. And nowadays, I'm just more of an eater. But I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, which is more of the county area. There's Baltimore City, of course, which people know from the show The Wire. That is not where I'm from. But for us, we would always go crabbing down the ocean. It's actually, you know, the Baltimoreans, I call myself. It, we have this great little accent where we talk and I try not to sound like it, but you ask somebody what they're doing and they say, I'm going down the ocean, hun. And that means <laughs> they're going to the ocean. <laughs> it's kind of weird the way people say it. You eat crabs on a Tuesday and you wash your hands in the zinc. And the Baltimore accent, they, I think John Travolta said it was the hardest accent he ever had to learn. So when you do go crabbing, when you do go to the ocean, um, it's going to take about a good two and a half, three hours to get there. So people have houses there. You know, my sister, her in-laws have a place there. So we can go there and that's when your crabbing experience begins. Wow. So tell us about one of your favorite crabbing experiences. So for us, you know, it's a God-given right, being from Baltimore, that seafood and Old Bay is in your blood. It is something we put on everything. And I'm so happy that when we spoke that you knew what that was. because Of course. I have shorts that are Old Bay. I'm obsessed with it. I put it on everything except for like ice cream and cereal. But any type of food, <laughs> pizza, I love it. So growing up, you know, I had a really good friend who was a little more outdoorsy than I'd say I ever was. You know, we met playing sports and he had friends that had a boat and that's one way you can go crabbing. And he asked me if I wanted to come with them one weekend. I'm not exactly the fishing type, but I thought it would be fun to do. And I didn't know anything about anything. Now, they didn't have a place there. So we had to wake up. I think it was like two or three in the morning, drive the three hours to the ocean to then get on a boat, which we also had to prepare. You know, there's a lot of preparation. You know, people, when they go fishing, it's a line, it's some bait. And most of your day, the exercise you get is your your right arm lifting the Budweiser up to your lips. But when you go crabbing, there's so much preparation involved because you have to make sure you have the right bait. You have to make sure that you're properly setting up whether you're using. Now, there's a lot of different ways to crab. Now, if you have a boat, you're typically going to use this line type contraption where you tie this massive line. It's very complicated. And basically, you have a buoy on one end with a cinder block after that. And then you foot, you feed this line and the best bait is chicken necks. So you tie. What? I'm not even making this up. You can use like gizzards and eel and fish and whatever, but chicken necks are <laughs> the chocolate for, you know, with humans where we can't resist chocolate, chicken necks are what crabs love. You know, they're, they're 
bottom feeders. That's what they want. So you have to start your morning off by tying these necks and you space them out every I think like 10 to 15 feet. And you have this massive line and you have to do it because what you want to do is you throw the chicken necks and the line and the cinder block and the buoy in the water as you're out there on your boat. And then what you do is you then have to then go back and circle around. And it's a very interesting contraption. It's worth looking at online. It's kind of like a PVC pipe. So you do it very slowly, but you make this U this U-shaped PVC pipe. And what you do is you slowly feed the line over the pipe. And then as the boat slowly will start to go, the line comes up and, you know, crabs have claws, right? So what yeah. they do is they hold on to that chicken neck for dear life because they're trying to eat. And as they come up and it slowly goes towards this kind of U-shaped thing, you take a net and you scoop them off and then you put them in a bucket and you keep going. And most of the time they haven't really eaten a whole lot of the chicken neck. So you just throw the whole thing back. And how do you know when it's time? You don't. But what you can do, which is really cool, is you can tie these waterproof GoPros and you can have live footage streaming to your phone, to your camera. I mean, technology has gotten uh, cool. uh-huh. And it's pretty interesting to watch because you can see these crabs in real life starting to eat these chicken necks. So I went back in probably like high school or in between college. So it was a couple of years ago. And we went out and we do this whole preparation thing and we start making our rounds. You know, you put it down, you pick it up, you put it down, you pick it up. And just scooping the crabs off the line can be a thing because, you know, it's kind of like, I'm not a hunter, but you know how the, the eight point bucks, they grow, they're older, they're better evading predators. Well, the same thing can be said for crabs. The ones that are the bigger ones, they know the trick. They know when that line starts moving, they better let go. So when you're using this type of line for crabbing, you're not going to get the biggest crabs. And now there's rules to the ones that you're allowed to keep and the ones that you're allowed to cook and the ones that you're allowed to eat. And every state has their rules. And what you do is you, everyone, after you've caught it, you have to go through and take a little measuring device and make sure from end to end, not the far points, but the body of the crab usually has to be about five inches or more. And any ones that are less than that, you have to take and throw back in the water. So it can be a lot of work and you might not end up with a ton of crabs. I mean, this is not the most efficient way of doing this. It can be fun. You know, you can do it all times a day. And some people say high tide is better. Some people say low tide is better. But when you have the boat, you're allowed to do this without a permit, without a license, and you can catch up to a bushel of crabs. Now, a bushel, most people don't know, is five and a half dozen, and not a baker's dozen. We're talking 12, five and a half dozen, without really any requirements, but you have to make sure that they're the proper size. Mm-hmm. So that was something I did way back in the day and we did it and we, we I forget how many times we actually had to put the line back in and keep doing it but eventually we caught I think a couple of dozen and you know then you go on to the next step but I don't want to skip past some of the other ways that you can catch crabs which I have done and there's so many other ways to do it and we actually still use regular kind of like fishing lines where you have a little rock that sinks to the bottom and you put the, the some bait on it and you let a line and you can do this without a boat because not everybody has a boat you let the line sink to the bottom and the crabs, they come and they eat it. And when you feel a little tug, you slowly start to bring the thing up and then you can scoop it right out. At the same time, they also have these traps that are kind of like your basket traps or box traps where you have, you know, the thing sits very flat and you can just be off of a bridge. You can be on the side of the water. You put the 
chicken necks right in the middle there and you let it down and you can kind of look and see and when you have a couple of creatures specifically crabs what you're looking for you yank on the cord it shuts the device and you pull it up 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 and that's where you can really start to make some headway when you're doing it by hand so it's a lot of it could be a two-person job you know it's somebody does the line somebody does the netting but then you make sure you're putting them into a cooler you're putting them somewhere and here's the crazy thing you can store these crabs for days as what i also was very surprised but days you can store them now you don't store them in water because they end it's kind of a weird thing like you think like no water's good but what they end up doing is they go through all the oxygen in the water and then they suffocate and die so you put them in there with a nice cool rag and it keeps them kind of peaceful like look this is hunting i mean it's fishing whatever you want but you can still do it humanely which i think is a really nice thing to do mm-hmm. right they're mm-hmm. they're providing for you and i think that's something really special now they have professional devices to catch crabs and these things get crazy they are these massive crates this is kind of the third way to do this and these massive really tough crates that kind of have like one-way entrances and no exits so think of it kind of like a a big v right that where they start off and you what you do is you put lots of usually chicken gizzards and necks and whatever in the middle and then these one-way doors essentially because the crabs will swim in and then they basically have to kind of force the way through that last little part of it. The problem is they can't get out. It's like only in, you know, the base motel, everybody checks in, nobody checks out. And this is more what the professionals use. They throw these massive things in there and they pull them up several times. And this is where you get the big boys. This is where you get the dozen crabs that cost you a hundred dollars a dozen at the store. I mean, they are big suckers and you do that. And I think you do need more regulations. These tend to be your professionals and those things are expensive. They're really, really expensive where some of these other things could be made with string and a line that could cost you, you know, top dollars, maybe even mm-hmm. less than that. So now what kind of crab are you talking about? Great, great question. Now being on the West coast, you're a Dungeness crab, you're an Alaskan crab. <laughs> we, we all know you go down to Miami and Joe's stone crab. They have those hard, tough ones. That's where it is. Now, I'm a Baltimore boy, a Baltimorean, as I call myself. I am a Maryland blue crab person. And All sometimes, right. I mean, that's what it is. And, you know, it's funny. I was with a friend recently and they ordered blue crabs and they came out orange and they were very confused why that is. But the truth is, is a true Maryland blue crab is blue until you cook it. And when we get to the cooking part, that's how you know when it's done because they turn that bright orange color. So mm-hmm. these are the ones that you tend to think of that are, you know, five inches are the body. They have the two claws on the front. They have three, cl- you know, little fins in the middle, and then they have the back fin, and that's where the money's at. But yeah, that those are the those are the crabs that we tend to do growing up. We have other stuff, but you know what? We should stick to what we know because I was born near the Chesapeake Bay, and that's where you get the best blue crabs. Wow. I, my gosh, I, what a fun experience. And I never realized that, you know, many might go crabbing with like a, a chicken neck. How interesting. Now, there might be some pescatarians that are listening to this podcast. Uh, are there other uh, forms of bait that could be used that that might be more pescatarian friendly? Yeah, well, one of the good ones I, I kind of mentioned is they say eel is very good. I mean, personally, I've never used it. But when I was doing some extra research for this interview, eel and like fish guts as well. I mean, it's kind of weird, but 
crabs are disgusting creatures, so they're not really looking for filet mignon out there. Like they want the grimy stuff that comes from the ocean. That's what they want to eat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how long have you been going crabbing for? You know, it's not something that I regularly do, but again, being from Maryland, it's something I've done a good amount of times. I mean, maybe like 10, 10 15 times I've gone in my life. It's, you know, it, it's three hours. And my I didn't come from the most outdoorsy family. So we just usually go to the restaurant and that's how we order our crabs or, you know, supporting the local businesses. There's people that do this for a living and they do mm-hmm. a better job of it. To go crabbing is kind of like going going fishing. You have to do it because you want to do it. You have to do it because you, you're having fun. It's an activity. And I know you and I spoke of people looking for things to do. It's a fun morning. It's a fun afternoon. It's not the type of thing you want to do every – unless you live there, you really don't want to do this every weekend. I mean it starts to become a little tedious. But it's, right. a fun, it's a fun activity, and you know, fishing tends to be more relaxing. You know, unless you're doing that, you know, crazy 400 pound marlin fishing. But fishing is you put the lines out there, you kick one back, you talk to your family, whoever. Crabbing is more of like a, you go, you do it for a little bit, you see what you catch, and hopefully it's something good. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's fun. You know, I mean, it, if you're one that's is into catching crab and and eating crab, I, I understand. There's all different. A thought processes. Um, but I, I really enjoy shellfish and, and seafood and also finding out about like humane ways um, to, to catch seafood and, and making sure that I'm eating ethically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just curious. So after you catch the crab, is there a, a humane way of cooking crab? So it's so interesting that you say that because not only is there kind of a humane way, but it's essential to the process. When you're preparing the crab, you know, I told you earlier, you put them kind of in a cooler, you keep them cool and depending on how long you want to store them. But what you need to do is fill the bucket with ice and make sure that they're all the right side up or right side down, I guess you'd say, because when you put them in that cooler with ice, it basically kind of diminishes their senses. You know, they're, they're about to have a bad end. Spoiler alert, this is not going to go well for the crab. But with them, you have them in this cooler, you put it in ice, and what it does is it's kind of like the beginning of the end, and it really dulls their movement, it dulls their feeling, depending on if we understand what's about to happen. But it also makes it easier, because when you are going to then go cook them, they're kind of like one foot out the door. They're just not moving too much. They're kind of really like, I, I used to tell like, you know, one of my younger cousins who would come to me, I said, the crabs are sleeping because crabs are dangerous. And when you're transferring them from place to place, I mean, they will bite you very hard. They will, they will definitely draw blood. And, you know, we've seen cartoons where, you know, you put the lobster in the water and it, it, it screams and it cries and get me out of here. But when mm. you're setting up, because steam crabs is how we do it in Maryland. And when you put them in that steamer, you line them up very, very specifically because you want to fit as many in there as possible, but they've already been sitting on ice for a couple of hours and they're kind of like asleep. So I would say, look, the crabs are sleeping. They're not moving. And that makes you feel a whole lot better about the process. Yes. The the whole noise from, from a lobster is, uh, that's, it's, it's hard to take. Uh, yeah. Well, then also the other thing with them kind of being asleep is... If they're not, what they will do is when they start being 
steamed, being cooked, they freak out and they kind of all attack each other and claws are, you know, claws are flying everywhere, so to speak. But you want the finished product to look like when it came out. And if you want the claws to stay on, that's why I said you have to put them on ice before you cook them. So it's kind of like a you have to do it and it also helps to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, how long do you steam crab for? You know, it, it, the truth is, I think it's about, oh God, you know what? Off the top of my head, I really forget. I think it was 15 minutes or something. You know, you, you steam the crab, but the most important thing is to make sure that when you check on them, because the way, you know, to steam the crab, there's a whole process. You make sure you have, you know, beer at the bottom for flavor because it really brings out the flavor of the meat and then getting back to the actual meat of the crab, it has to make sure it's done. You know, you can't take them out before they're ready. And kind of earlier when I said you had to check on the color of them, that's one of the great ways to do it. So what you have to do is, you know, you put them in for 15 minutes and then you take it out and there's, there's small pots, there's big pots, but you're so liberal with your old bay seasoning and your rock salt and everything that you're going to be putting on that crab. And after the 15 minutes, you can get a, a check on them. Sometimes they're done. Most of the time they're not. And then you leave them there for another five to 10 minutes and that should be about good. So the whole thing takes 20 to 30 minutes max to actually cook them when they are simmering in the steamer. Hmm. Basically, if there's any blue or green, you got to leave them in longer. So it's too hard for like, I mean, I really, I know the right answer is like, you do this this long, but it's kind of like all good cooks. You got to kind of check and see what's going on there. But at the same time, a watch pot never boils, right? Right. Now, if you want to go crabbing, um, you know, off of Maryland, what are some specific spots that people should check out? And then how much does it cost for uh, kind of like the, the different methods you mentioned? Yeah. So if you want to get one of those, I mean, really nice style things, I mean, they're pricey. They're, they're expensive. They're going to run, you know, 70, 100 bucks for each one you want, not to mention all the bait that you're going to have to use. But some of these other trap door type of things, these little lines where you close the, they're like $19, $20 on Amazon. And then, like I said, the simple string where you tie something to the end of it with a hook is pennies and that costs you nothing. Yeah. Where, where, where to go? Anything on the bay. You know, you just Google anything by the Chesapeake Bay, specifically the closer you get to the ocean, the better it's going to be for you. So Ocean City, Maryland is a big hangout. It's a big spring break, spring break spot. It's a very big touristy spot when people want to come down. It's huge in the summer, but you can go so many places. That's one of those places where you drive down and there's just water, water everywhere. So that's pretty much anywhere there. But coming from Baltimore County, we have ponds and lakes that get stocked with fish. That's not where you go crabbing. But it has to be the ocean. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when when you go crabbing, what time of year is it there? You know, there's seasons and you can in theory go crabbing year round. But the right answer is one, you're you're getting in there. So you don't want to be doing this in the, the heart of January. But really, at the end of the summer, the beginning of fall is one the best time to go crabbing really is for people here. 
Well, that is coming up. Are you going to be crabbing? I was just down in Maryland about a month ago, and we didn't do it just because it was a quick trip. If if COVID and everything wasn't happening, I might take a trip down. And, I, you know, I sent you a picture. My nephew just went for the first time. You know, he's this little nine-year-old kid, and they were out doing it. And, they only caught one crab and it was too small, but I would love to take my family out and do something like this. And I don't know if I would rent a big boat, but just to go do it and have fun. The hard part when you're teaching kids is they're way more obsessed with the reward than the process, which Mm -hmm. I think, you know, you and I both know the process is everything. It's driving to where you're going to go. It's doing it. It's supposed to be the fun. And kids are just like, you know, they have no sense of time. It's how long are we done? Are we done? Do we get it? Do we get it? So (laughs) I, I think most likely I probably will wait till next year to go do it, but there's so much fun in the process. And then, you know, worst case scenario, you don't catch the crabs. You know, we, we always, and I did do this a month ago was you got to go eat crabs. I mean, it's the best part of doing it is, you know, picking the crab and eating the meat. And I love cooking crabs too. And being here in New York city, I don't care that it says Maryland crab cake on the on the menu. I am not eating whatever they're serving and calling Maryland crab cakes. There is nothing special that makes it a Maryland crab cake, but usually they're just not making it quite right. And if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. All right. So let's get into this. I I love to cook. Uh, I read cookbooks all the time for my leisure. Uh I want to hear about your favorite crab recipe. My favorite. So it has to be crab cakes. It's definitely crab cakes and never, ever, ever fried. You always broil a crab cake. For me, it all starts with the quality of the meat. I mean, anybody tells you about that, anything, it has to be quality. So for me, I make the best crab cakes. And the trick is, and when you go to restaurants, they use so much bread and filler and different stuff. When I get crab cakes, it is 90% crab meat, and you get the jumbo lump back thin crab meat. You take that, and then the best part about crab cakes is it's not that specific. I mean, yeah, I use an egg, and then I do a squirt of mustard, a squirt of mayo, some parsley. I use some crackers just to keep it together, but not using too many of them. But what kind of crackers and what kind of mustard? It's pretty much to your preference. I generally will use the Ritz crackers because they're not too salty. I've used saltines before, but because you're going to be adding so much Old Bay, it tends to get a little too salty. Mm -hmm. And for mustard, it doesn't matter. Mustard is one of those things that you never thought that you'd cook with. And, you know, you say you cook a lot. And when mustard on fish is delicious, I'm a yellow mustard guy, but it doesn't matter. Dijon is good. Brown is good. Anything to put that in there that's just going to really bring out the flavor with a little bit of lemon juice. It just makes the crab meat pop so much. I'm I'm getting so hungry talking about this. (laughs) (laughs) So I use that. You sprinkle it with some Old Old Bay. You pop it in the oven. You flip it once. Sprinkle some more Old Bay. And it's a crowd pleaser. Just the crab cakes that come out and made by a real Marylander is so great and so much better than anything you can get at a restaurant. And, you know, when it comes to pizza, it's a lot of effort to make it home. You're probably better off going to the restaurant. When it comes to crab cakes, for what you're going to pay for it, and usually the quality, I highly recommend making them at home. Okay. Now, do you have a sauce that you have with your crab cakes? Some people go tartar sauce. Some people will go uh, cocktail sauce. I'm a purist. You know, I will have crab cakes 
and maybe some fries and that's it. I don't really want anything else on it. But the, but the right answer is people are generally going to go for tartar sauce. Mm-hmm. Now, what about uh, your drink? What are you drinking with your crab cake? That is a great question because in Maryland, we love beer and there is one beer to drink with your crabs. It is the worst beer, but it's so refreshing. And I don't even think it's made in Maryland, but it is called Natural Bohemian Beer. But if anybody ever calls it that, they're not from Maryland because we call it Natty Bow. And that <laughs> Natty Bow. Natty Bow. Natty Bow. And it's, it's worth looking up because most people only like Natty Bow because the mascot is so cool looking. He's this guy with this big mustache and... I don't know if he has one eye or if he's winking, but it's definitely like, hey, I got a secret here for you. And you go to any sports game, it's Budweiser, Coors, Natty Bow, and Natty Bow is the way to go. And they sell a lot of merchandise. I mean, I don't know any place that sells so much merchandise, probably more than the beer even, because the Natty Bow logo is so cool and it's cool to say it. I mean, you chuckled at it. It's That's the right answer. Natty Bow is the way to go with the crab cake. I have never heard of Natty Bow ever. <laughs> like now I, said, I have to go try one. Yeah, you can try one, but get a t-shirt because just the look of the guy. When you drive on I-95 through Baltimore City, you can see that in one of the downtown locations, they just have a big sign and it's a picture. We call him Mr. Bow and he's just constantly winking at you and he's winking at you and it's a really cool logo, which I don't know of any other beers that have like a great logo like that. And that's really what sells it, the name and the logo, which, you know, that is not how you should be choosing your beer. You should definitely not be going based – you should be going by flavor, profile, and taste, and complimentary. And not nah, – we don't do it like that. We go by name and mascot. So is this a light beer, like a low IBU beer? Yeah, it's like a lager. Um, it's a kind of like a like a Pabst Blue Ribbon, a PBR. Okay. It kind of it kind of comes from like the old Schlitz family, like one of those older beers that they're not really around too much. Maybe like a regular Miller Genuine Draft, like MJD MGD. Um, it, it, it's not good. It's not like it's not terrible. <laughs> you know, I've had some beer that's pretty bad before, but it's drinkable. But after like one or two, you're like, all right, that was cool. I would say like Budweiser, Coors are probably way better than that. And if you know anything about beer, that's not a huge step to me. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, I'm in beer town here in Bend, Oregon. And we've got Deschutes Brewery here. We've got, I don't know, 20 plus microbreweries in our town of 80,000. So wow. it's, a, it's a little bit of a beer snob town. I get it. I'm a beer snob myself. You know, I'm always talking about it. I mean, I have a whole podcast where we always have a beer. You know, it's about we crack a beer and tell stories. That's kind of what we do. And I am trying a beer. My goal is to try a beer every show that I've never had before. And I've had so many beers that are so plain. And every now and then I come across something completely different. And you guys are lucky because you've been on the craft beer kick for a long time. And especially in New York City, we're just starting to get it. And God bless Whole Foods. I never thought I'd say that. But they have a selection here that rivals anything. And you can go in and just buy a single beer and it's like two bucks, three bucks. And you can try something from everywhere. And one of my good friends just got back from Oregon and she has two beers for me from Oregon. And I'm so excited to try it. And I'll definitely let you know what I have. 
Okay, which beers do you know? I, I, I don't know. She, I don't even think she sent me a picture, but she has them in her fridge and she wants to bring them by. And I, I will let you know, but I am very excited. If you could give me a recommendation, I will make sure I try one the next time I come out there. Ooh, I mean, are you a hoppy kind of guy? Like what? what's your flavor profile around beer? I go from everything from lager to single IPAs. I'm not a fan of like cream ales, if that's a thing for you guys. And I don't love stout so much, but my catch line is anything but like Miller Lite. I, I, I'll drink anything, but Miller Lite is my one. It just reminds me of college and like smelling it in the fraternity house. And I, I can't do that one. So there's a beer uh, from a brewery called Good Life here, mm-hmm. and the beer is called Sweet As. And for the longest time, I thought it was Sweet Ass. Huh. And I would, I'd be at a party or something, and I'd ask, you know, for a Sweet Ass. And no one corrected me for years uh, until I found out it was Sweet As. And... It's sweet as a sunset. It's sweet as you know something. I don't know. Insert something cool here. Uh, but it's it's a lovely beer that I feel like someone who's into IPAs would still like. But maybe someone um, like I don't really enjoy a bitter aftertaste. I prefer something with a lower IBU, um, which is looking at the bitterness of of a beer. Oh, I'm familiar. Except I call it IBU, and now I'm starting to wonder if I am incorrect in saying that. Oh, yeah, we say IBU. Okay. Yeah. And and it's a lower IBU, but it, it's just this refreshing beer, as sweet as. So uh, be on the lookout. You never know. It, it I appreciate the right foods. I am going to keep my eyes out. And like I said, when I make it to the West Coast at some point in my life, I will look for sweet ass or sweet ass, as you would say. <laughs> it's, it's so great that your friends didn't help you out. That's that's uh, That's really cool. It's good um, entertainment. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say just to anybody uh, for this, as far as the crabs go, I have picked crabs my whole life. I am a professional crab picker for anybody eating them. I saw a video online maybe about a month ago on how to correctly pick a crab. And it's all about keeping the legs on, breaking the shell apart, and leaving yourself with a crab lollipop. So if you're eating crabs, cooking them, crabbing, whatever you want, make sure you YouTube crab lollipop the best way to eat a crab because it will change your life on how to do it wow okay i will include it in the show notes on experiences that you should have.com so definitely i'm telling you i will i'm good i'm gonna send you the link for this and it's a maryland guy great maryland accent going i've been eating crabs the wrong way my whole life and i have to admit i probably was that guy as well because i can pick a crab with the best of them and this guy just showed you a completely different way of doing it and i was like oh my god that is such a better way of doing it i was so 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 impressed okay i am so excited to watch it i i was recently on the oregon coast and i have a tradition that when i go as long as it's crab season there to sit down um at this one restaurant i love and i sit there and i order a beer by myself and and eat a, a dungeness crab and i always wonder to myself every time if i am picking it correctly or if I'm breaking it in the right spots and I've never YouTubed it. So yeah, it's one of those things. I highly recommend it. Definitely. But I guess this is more of a blue crab, but I'm just that guy who picks through the shells and uses a knife and do this. And then this guy just said, no, you just keep the legs on, take the body off and you just kind of take the back and you twist and twist and twist. And 
it was like, oh my God, that was, it was incredible. Changed my life. One YouTube All right. video. I love life changing videos. That's very exciting. Um, and then, uh, are you familiar of the different crab seasons for um, the other different types of crab, such as like stone crab or anything? I don't. I am a when in Rome guy. So like I said, if I'm down in the Florida area where I pretty sure that's where stone crabs are big. That's what I'm getting. If mm-hmm. I'm on the West Coast in Seattle, or I, I'm getting the Dungeness type. I, I do not know, actually. Yeah, okay. No problem. No problem. And then uh, for those who are not going to go crabbing, but maybe they want to try out your delicious crab cake recipe, where could they order from a, an ethical uh, crab company? Yeah, you know... I don't know if you can order necessarily through ethical companies, but you probably just want to make sure you're getting not imitation meat. You want to get jumbo, lump, back fin crab meat. And most of the time it's at your local distributor. You know, we, and here in New York City, we have some seafood places that just sell that, which is a great way of doing it. And I'm a big person just getting it at the seafood department at Whole Foods. Tra- you know, Trader Joe's doesn't have it, but those are the two places that I go. And from what I understand, they do a good job. All right. All right. Any other tips for those at home who want to cook with some crab? Um, the only other thing that's maybe worth mentioning is that there's male and female crabs, which is kind mm-hmm. of interesting. And um, when you take the crab and it's kind of funny because you turn it over almost like you're looking at the underside genital side of a crab and the male crabs have a really skinny key looking uh thing that keeps their entrance to the crab maybe where they you know do whatever and the females it's a lot bigger it's more of like a paddle like a u shape and when i when you look up crabbing they basically say you don't want to get the females because the females you need to leave in the water so they can keep reproducing most of the time you're going to be getting the male crabs and this will not even play in but cleaning a crab is a whole separate thing because there's a lot of stuff in a crab that you should not be eating like what well, they have like these gills, the way they breathe. So when you open up a crab, the first thing you do is you kind of pull the guts out. And then they, where their, their lungs are these, they kind of, it kind of looks like crab meat, but except they're very porous because those are their lungs, the gills, they call them. And you have to take them out. And then they also in the crab, there's this yellow stuff that we call mustard. It turns out it's like highly cholesterol stuff. Like you, It's good to eat. It tastes good, but too much of that. And it's not good for you. You know, that's why buying crab meat at the store sometimes can be easier because they've already picked the cla- picked the crab, cleaned it, given you the good stuff, and then you don't have to worry about eating that other stuff in there because they have all these little spermy-looking things in there, and they're not good for you. And I, I, It's one of those things that I learned it when I was so young. I couldn't even tell you when, but I've gone my whole life being like, that's the bad stuff. You cannot eat that. You just can eat what's in the claws and what's in the back fin. So kind of like with a lobster, as big as these lobsters are, you're not trying to eat the brains of the lobster. You just want the claws and the tail. All right. Well, this that's a great tip. And uh, I am enlightened. I, you know, I've never had a Maryland blue crab. I've only had stone crab and Dungeness. So you've, you've inspired you me. And I need to break out my old bay a bit more, it sounds like. I, I put it on everything, like pizza for dinner, Old Bay, here we go. <laughs> okay, the next time I pull out my Old Bay, I will think of you. Please do, thank you. All right, thank you so much, Alan. Thank you so much for having me, Gail. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. Uh, if if this is your jam and you are digging it and you're one of those people who loves and cherishes the experience of things, please reach out if you'd like to come be on the show. I am currently looking for interesting experiences that can be done while social distancing. Uh, Maybe not the crowds and and that sort of thing. Because, you know, we're still living. We're still here in life. You know, I've been home a lot this year. And I'm trying to get creative with, with my experiences and and still bringing in uh, just that unique time, you know. And sure, I, I'm not flying across the world right now. Uh, but there's other experiences that can be had locally um, or maybe within your own home. So think out of the box. I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out. Go to experiencesyoushouldhave.com. Uh, click on contact to contact me. And and also click on episodes for the show notes. Uh, we've got a res- the recipe here that Alan mentioned there, um, pictures and that sort of thing. We do a nice write up of every episode that we've done. Uh, so thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. And the best thing that you could do to help support this podcast is to to tell a friend, tell someone about this podcast. We are growing and we are growing with your help. Uh, so please help support our our indie podcast here. And until next time, experience seekers. <laughs>